Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. This is episode 31. 31. 31, 31. I got nothing. I got no fancy intro. Whoa. It's late, later than we <laughs> normally do this. I was out of town for the weekend, just got back, and... Well, not before we watched Game of Thrones and no. ate some oh, delicious noodles. That is true. That's really why it's late. Let's get real. Because <laughs> Game of Thrones was on and we had a Game of Thrones party. Heck yeah. And by party, we just got some people that we knew together and yeah. ordered but, noodles from by, our favorite place. By party, we mean we just watched it with some friends. <laughs> That's about how hard we party these days. Well, I had a beer, so it was kind of a party. Yeah, I had water and yeah, <laughs> Consider, <laughs> considered a delicious Zima, but uh, did not partake. I saw that it was out of the six pack. And I, I had was it like, in my hand. Somebody was thinking about this. Yeah, it, it, got out of the, it got out of the sixer into my hand. Then back into the bottom because I remembered how bad Zima tastes. It's not that bad. It's it's pretty. It's bad. just it tastes like a watered down wine cooler, and I felt really old when nobody else or none of the other girls that we were hanging out with tonight had ever had a <laughs> Bartle and James wine cooler, and I'm like, that's like the quintessential twenty year old drink. That's like true. when you're twenty, that's what you get your friends to buy you is a is a four pack of B and J's. Was 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 Bartles and James like, was that the go to brand? That, that was like the only brand. See, I remember Seagram's. Like all I remember is oh, Seagram's. See, I Seagram's I remember, but I didn't really I didn't drink that. Mm. I didn't like it as much as I liked the Bartle and James. Sure. The fuzzy mm. navel flavor. Well, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with that noise. So Jen. Yes. First story today is uh so this guy's a little salty. This guy is a little salty. So Lord La- Lauren Lanning. Lauren Lanning. Uh someone who I actually think's pretty cool. He is the creative uh, creator of the Oddworld games, and most recently they remastered Oddworld for the PS4, called it Oddworld uh, New and Tasty, and it's very good. It's Just a, a weird name. For it's a, a weird name. name. It's a weird game. Because you don't eat video games. No, but uh, it's a theme in that game, the consumption of, well, let's say them, the little like alien cannibal. Dudes. No, no, because you're technically not. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you about it later. Okay. So anyway, um, the Oddworld creator, he called out Nintendo's third-party support, saying the Switch has no hope. Which is kind of a strange thing to say. You don't want to burn those bridges. Yes, also because he's so off on this. Yeah. Like, normally, I would say, yeah, I understand, because of, of according to him, the he has no faith in Nintendo due to the experience of ha- of having seen how the Wii and Wii U played out, so well, well. And first of all, I would say, the Wii sold a ton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As it's like every and I, what I remember was that it was really difficult to find one, and you found like you had a friend who had one, and you, everybody went over to that person's house and played it because, you know, so and so has a Wii. We got to play it. And then pretty soon another friend would have had one. But it was very hard to find out in the wild, from what I remember. Yeah, well, and so the the Wii, a lot of third parties made a lot of money on the Wii because, and, and there was something that we call shovelware. And shovelware is what happens when a system becomes really, really popular and game companies start shoveling garbage software oh. onto the shelves. And so the Wii had a lot of shovelware. You know, you saw games like, uh pizza delivery guy and uh <laughs> burger king games those are actually on xbox oh <laughs> but i didn't know we were talking about a specific system but but the idea is the same and 
so there's certain games like My Birthday Cake and it's just the stupidest stuff. Like it, like it was just it was trash. Yeah, it was just garbage. And uh, so, but uh, the Wii itself, a lot of people made money making games for that because mm-hmm. when you have a lot of people, when you have what what they call an, a large install base, which means a lot of people own your console, when you have a lot of people and you have a large install base, then you have the opportunity to sell more copies. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand what he's talking about with the Wii. But when it comes to the Wii U, I totally understand. Because the Wii U was a disappointment. Nintendo will never say it, but they know it's true. It, it did not sell well. And it had some good games on it. But the best games on the Wii U that you had to buy were pretty much first-party Nintendo games. So Nintendo made money, and Nintendo was fine. But I think what he's talking about is that any other company that tried to make money on that system couldn't because of a low install base. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the experience of having seen how the Wii and Wii U played out. But I don't know what he made for the Wii because Oddworld wasn't on the regular Wii. Okay. So I don't know what he's talking about with the Wii. I, I think he's misguided there. But he says Wii U, which I would totally give him credit for. However, just like the people who haven't bought a Switch yet because they're waiting, because they're burned basically by Nintendo with the Wii U, I totally understand that thought because you had a company that you bought something that they didn't support, didn't make a lot of games for, and then they discontinued it shortly after it was released. So I get why people are mad. But the Switch is already on track to match and beat the Wii U's lifetime sales <laughs> this year. Yikes. This year. Uh-huh. So if they do that, he has no premise for that. Plus, the Switch right now is an indie machine. Mm. It is pumping out tons of good indie games that are coming out on the Switch, and they're killing it, and they're really popular. Because especially when a system first launches, it takes a long time to get your AAA titles out. Because mm-hmm. these games take a year or two to develop. So you have all this free time where you need to fill the game. You need to fill the software library. What's the best thing to fill it with? Indie, indie games that mm-hmm. are downloadable and didn't take that much time. Or even, you know, indie ports from other consoles or, or Steam ports, sure. stuff like that. So I just think he's wrong on this. And mm-hmm. I actually think he's just making a misstep. Plus, going back to what you said, where why would why would you call him out like that, I guess? Like, what, what, what does he benefit from kind of smack talking down he, the Switch? He doesn't. And he also, you know, while... This article from Destructoid says that while praises that it's mobile, he doesn't think people are going to go through the effort to work on a, quote, underpowered console, which is just, to me, I don't understand why you would say that the Switch is underpowered. It's, I mean, technically, he's right. It's underpowered compared to the PS4 and the Xbox One. Yeah, but it's meant to be a mobile, so it can't be as powerful. You can't carry something around like a PS4. And his game... Oddworld that I love is a port of a PS1 game for Kyle. <laughs> so it's not and yes it's been it's been touched up and everything's better but it's not like it needs the power of a of a Uber PC mm-hmm. or doesn't need the power of the PS4 it can run on the Switch just fine. And so he kind of makes a comment too that he says he experienced this with what he claims was lackluster promotion mm. for new and tasty on the Wii U. So did he have a deal with Nintendo to promote it and they didn't do it? Or was he expecting them just to say, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, this, you know, this is the 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 Wii U version of New and Tasty. Like, was he expecting Nintendo just to drop everything and be like, check out the hottest new game and put millions of dollars into promotion for his, you know, 
$30 indie game? I mean, you'd have to see like what the sort of contract negotiation or contract actually played out and said, because if the contract didn't talk about promotion, or even if it did, I mean, that's more of a breach of contract than anything else. Right. Well, it's just weird. It's it's almost like, because if it was a breach of contract, he would sue them. Like this Right. And so that that's a different conversation. If, if you cry about it like this, then clearly he just was irritated by how it all went down <laughs> but he had no it just seems like he's got sour he's grapes just a like, little salty well, like his game didn't sell well on that system okay so, fair enough it's not like he's out of pocket he has a publisher i mean you know what i mean well can't you like turn that in on yourself and just say you know what about the game maybe wasn't as exciting or didn't attract a lot of people well and i look at that, and that's certainly possible but i also look at it like it was his decision to put it on that console and he wasn't trying to put it on that console when it was new you know so he was trying to put on that console a couple years after its life like you everyone saw the wii u getting trashed well and like everyone not... saw that thing crashing and burning <laughs> nobody's gonna be like i gotta buy a wii u so i can play mighty number no. nine or whatever it was or no Odd that's it that's, that's it that's oh, the next i'm on the other i'm about. on the other oops i'm on the other story <laughs> my bad i closed the window apparently but yes, Oddworld. New but nobody's gonna be like, I need to buy a Wii U because I want to buy, I want to play Oddworld. Nobody's gonna right. do it's, that. It's not a system seller, which is probably why Nintendo didn't put any money into promoting it. But they weren't promoting anything because they didn't have anything. So I don't know why. And he did put it like on the Vita, and he put it on their systems. It probably would have sold really well on the 3DS. Now to be fair, maybe the 3DS couldn't run it. Maybe. The 3DS is technically an underpowered console compared to what we're talking about here, with the other consoles could do. But the Switch, it's almost like he he doesn't understand the industry enough. Mm-hmm. to see things far enough out because he should have been able to see that the wii u wasn't popular and didn't have enough of an install base compared to ps4 and xbox one so he should right. have released it exactly even if he had even if he could like i don't even know what his position is with the publisher like was it his call to release it on that system i mean he does he own the company that ported i don't even know i should probably look that up before so i actually know what i'm talking about but, <laughs> um but anyway, I don't. It just sounds like he's like it's he's doing that. It's hip to rip on Nintendo thing. Yeah. But he's late to the party again. Yeah. Because he it is. was hip to rip on Nintendo in the Wii and Wii U days, and now the Switch is making a serious comeback, and the Switch is a seriously cool console. And I, he's. It just seems like one of those people that's always on the wrong side of an but argument. I hate. I hate <laughs> Nintendo too, you guys. You just, you just kind of like you know it's so cool making fun of Nintendo, and then everyone he's probably interviewing here is probably like. Actually, the Switch is kind of cool, dude. Yeah, the you know? Switch is should, pretty sweet. It's actually yeah. pretty cool, man. You shouldn't rip on it. Um, but, you look you know, like an idiot. You, you kind of sound like an idiot. Uh, so anyway, the guy makes great games, but he doesn't seem like much of a... He doesn't seem to have much of an understanding how the business works. And he, if, you, if, you, if you couldn't see two years ago or three years ago that the Wii U was failing, that's on you. Oh, Especially yeah. As someone is an insider, I should say this, as someone is an industry insider, if you just play games for fun and you didn't see that the Wii U was you know, crashing and burning, well, that's okay. I will allow that. That's why you listen to our podcast huh. because we're we're hitting you with those hot, fresh, juicy takes. Um, was that weird? Ju- I don't know. I'm I'm questioning your word, juicy. So hot. Okay, juicy is what, what got you out there. Okay. Juicy is what got me. Well, I was thinking like new and tasty, like ta- new, tasty, oh. juicy. I, was it not good? Okay, well, it was no good. Doesn't matter. We're moving on. We well, move let's on. move on to the article I wanted to apparently jump ahead yeah, to. Yeah, because you're, you're so eager I'm super to talk eager. about. Not Mighty really. Nine. Not really. Um, I just apparently closed the window on my on mm. my laptop and just looked at the title and I was like, "Oh, that's what we're talking." <laughs> nope, that'll teach me. But 
Uh, now, Greg, you, you've backed a lot of things on Kickstarter in your days. I have. It's it's becoming considerably less now. Yes. But back in the day, I was known as a, as a, as a uh, what would you, a, a kicker? I was I was a kicker. What do you call Kickstarter participants? Kickstarter. No, kick, Kickstarter is <laughs> a Kickstarter is the project. So would I be a, backer? a kicker? You're oh, a backer. we're backers. Yeah, I like well, kicker better. Well, uh, I'm a kicker. Yeah. I'm a kickbacker. <laughs> Back kicker. <laughs> I I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but um, over um, essentially what we read on uh, in an article is that. Over a year after its initial launch, the game a Mighty Number no. Nine physical awards or rewards for backing the project on Kickstarter might be going out soon. <laughs> it's been so long, and they're finally they finally seem to be getting their act together for these physical rewards that they have to send out a survey to all of their backers to make sure that they still have their most recent and valid address. There's a there's a whole lot of uh, <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff going on with this one. Um, I'm bringing up the Kickstarter site so I can actually uh, like hit you with the hot details about this game. Sure. So, uh, there were 67,000 backers Oof. that pledged $3.8 million. Dang. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see what the original, I want to see what the original backer date was. Cause I was, I love that, that, uh, they keep this up <laughs> because this makes me very happy. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, well, I can't find it. It doesn't matter. Okay. Well, here's what's funny about this. So here, here's why, here's how I heard about this. I actually got an email. You did I got an email a couple <laughs> days ago. From Fangamer, and Fangamer, who what was basically put in charge of, um, they were they were put in charge of physical rewards. Oh. So like, if you back the game for X amount, they were gonna send you like a T-shirt and a statue and a bumper sticker and a poster. Mm-hmm. All that stuff you get sent to you by Fangamer. So they made a deal with them. Okay. So a couple days ago, I get an email from Fangamer, which I actually think is spam at first <laughs> because i'm like fan gamer i don't i don't know whatever that sounds fake and it says urgent uh re- information requested uh we need you to <laughs> we need you to enter your address if you don't enter your address we won't be able to ship out your physical goods <laughs> for the game that came out a year ago <laughs> and i was like here's my first reaction did i did i did i put enough money into number nine to get physical rewards because <laughs> I'm really disappointed in myself because I kickstarted it for the special edition or whatever. Uh-huh. And I don't even remember. I'm really mad at myself. I don't remember how much I kicked into it. I was kind of want to log in here and find out. Well, and if you don't know, it, it was, it was pretty much hyped on Kickstarter as, as we just saw that it was millions of dollars. It seems to be an all right game, but not really living up to its hype but the hype surrounding it was that promise of the physical release goods so Mm. so so i backed it for 60 dollars. okay i got a i I was supposed to get (laughs) totally forgot about this i was supposed to get a physical game box printed retro style game manual and exclusive in-game golden hero uh a classic style game box western or japanese style a printed version of the instruction manual uh, includes all previous rewards. So there's some other crap in there, probably too. Probably a t-shirt or something that I well, probably won't fit into anymore. And it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of playing the blame game in this, because 
it seems that Fangamer says that Comcept hasn't given them the materials to produce the rest of the shipment because some physical goods actually went out in 2015. So, so <laughs> this project was also successfully funded on October 1st, 2013. Oh my god. So, it's almost four years oh. to when this game was successfully funded to our physical cards. Now, as a comparison, I kickstarted a game called River City Ransom Underground. Mm-hmm. I got the physical rewards for that. I actually have it the box in my thing there. I got that about six months after, three months to six months after the Kickstarter ended, I got that physical reward. Mm-hmm. And then the game, unfortunately, got delayed a bunch, so I didn't actually get to play the game for like two years, but I got everything I ordered physical-wise. Right. There's no holdup when it comes to that. So Fan Gamer, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So they claim that Concept hasn't given them the materials to produce the rest of the shipment while some went out in 2015, but... It, it feels like something something actually started getting moving again because they are getting people are that were backing it were getting emails stating that their items are shipping soon 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 and to fill out uh, another survey by the 17th of July yeah so if you didn't so if I got this email a couple of days ago like I did I had about five days to <laughs> reply to this email or I don't get to get my physical stuff mm-hmm what the heck's up with that but it seems like Comcept. Comcept. Yeah. What, what a stupid name. Was anyway. <laughs> was acquired by Level Five. That's correct. So Level Five actually makes really good games. Mm-hmm. So and that's really neat. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, the the head of the head of Comcept as a company is KJ Inafune. He's the one of the top guys who worked on the Mega Man franchises. So oh. he, he's a big deal when he worked at Capcom. Uh, he didn't create Mega Man, I don't believe. He might have, actually. But I don't think he created it. I think he picked it up, and then he he crushed it. Uh, maybe he did, actually. I looked it up. But anyway, so this was his company. His promise was, I'm going to make a, a Mega Man game, basically like a Mega Man game, but call it my own franchise, mm-hmm. Mighty Number no. 9. And after the game got kickstarted, they said, hey, we're going to do a, you know, we want to do an anime. Let's kickstart an anime. Let's <laughs> kickstart. And they started doing all this stuff, and we're like, can you just make the game first? <laughs> yeah, could you, could you focus on the and, f- game? And then in, in the heart of having all these issues with Mighty Number no. 9, they decide to start a Kickstarter for a new game called Red Ash. And it's like a game slash anime slash all this other stuff. And they're like, hold on, hold on. You're asking people for more money for that game? Mm-hmm. And you're having development issues with this game? This is one of those Kickstarter horror stories. Now, to be fair, my number nine came out. The backers got all, got the game. They just haven't received any of the physical rewards, which is really crazy to me. It doesn't make no sense. Now, I wonder, though, if, com- if part of the purchase of Concept, part of the deal was I wonder if they didn't have the money for it. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't think Comcept had the money for it. So I don't think they were going to put the couple thousands or tens of thousands of dollars into it because they didn't have it. I'll bet you when they signed the deal with Level 5, they said that you buy us and you have to fulfill these orders. Mm -hmm. So when they got acquired by Level 5, I guarantee you, I would be very surprised if that's not how it went down. And so Level 5 basically said, okay, this is debt on our account. We have to square this. Boom. And they got it done. I just... I, I cannot from what i understand from kickstarter and maybe this is not we only hear like the bad stories but when i think of kickstarter and i think of physical rewards i think of things that don't cost a lot of money or can be mass produced and the the physical goods that you get shouldn't overtake the money that you're getting you know what i mean it just to me it doesn't make any sense how they could not have any money to supply 
or fulfill these physical goods because normally what I've seen is the physical goods aren't that expensive. They're just exclusive. Like we're only making 10,000 of these bumper stickers or whatever, 10,000 of these physical copies of the game or 10,000 commemorative Mm t-shirts. And those shouldn't, the, the amount of things you get in physical goods shouldn't override how much money you're actually making through the kickstarter you know what i mean well part of the issue i have with these developers making games like when i always felt kickstarter was for the little guy you know Mm -hmm. when when you like someone with his name power he could have started a company and got anyone to publish that game for him i really believe that especially as an indie title or he could have worked on it with some money like there's other things he could have done but nope he wanted to go to kickstarter okay no problem so he goes to Kickstarter. He asks for, I can't see, it must be too old to see like the original like campaign pledge, like how much they were asking for. But clearly it was much, much less than $4 million. But I will tell you, it probably cost at least that much money to make the game. Games mm-hmm. are expensive to make. And and when you do multiple different versions, you got all this other crap going on. Maybe it didn't take $4 million to make. I don't know. Maybe they spent the money really poorly. I also don't know. Because here it was, okay, so their first stretch goal was... 1.2 million <laughs> so they might have had a million dollars was their was their initial goal so they beat that by four times but here, here's where i was going with that if you're gonna start a kickstarter and if you know a game costs x amount of money to make why would you ask for less than that because right. because here's why they do it because they know they can't get the full price because on kickstarter if you don't get all the money you get none of the money right so they have to set a low enough number where they get funded so they get that money and then they don't and then they uh, want to get as much more money as they can, but they can't put too high of a number. They won't hit it and they won't get their cash. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly irritating to me that a company like that not only essentially lies about how much money it's going to take to make their game, and then they start talking about having money struggles and, and all this sort of stuff. Right. Now, again, to be fair, the game came out. Game mm-hmm. came out, but it just, I don't know. It's very frustrating because to me, it just it just seems like they shouldn't... They shouldn't overpromise this kind of stuff if they can't even deliver. Yeah, this this is truly the dark side of Kickstarter. Like this this is this is the you know, this is the oh, you know, we had all this money, we didn't plan properly. And another problem with Kickstarter is the game starts off, let's say, at a million bucks. Then they have all these stretch goals that for every two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars they'll add something else. And then so they finish the thing at like two million dollars. But do you think that they actually did the math to realize that adding all that stuff was just going to cost another million dollars? Or they just pulling those numbers? Because those numbers, if you look at the way they do these Kickstarters, because there's a professional way to do Kickstarters. When you watch a successful Kickstarter, there's like, there's companies that probably tell people how to run Kickstarters Mm -hmm. because there's a right way to do it. Oh, for sure. So they're just picking like a certain amount of money over whatever amount to, you know, every $2,000. It's like, well, to get $2,000 more, we can say we'll add another character. But does it actually take two thousand dollars to add another character? Does it take way more than that? They don't know. We don't know. Who no. cares? But but so but what happens is the game's scale blows up. So now you've got what we call in the business that I was once in. <laughs> uh, you call it feature creep, mm-hmm. and you're familiar with that. I would assume. Oh yeah, we call it's it not scope, just a video game scope thing. creep. Yep. And what that basically means, anybody who doesn't know, is you get a great idea for a game, and you start working on it. And you're like, you know, it'd be great. Okay, well, let's, let's say, for example, you're going to make a, a Mario game. You're like, you know what would be great? What if Mario could jump? Okay, let's make him jump. <laughs> let's make him jump. You're like, well, what if he could fly? Like with a jetpack. And you're like, okay. But to get the jetpack, he has to, like, break these three blocks and jump on this enemy's head. Okay. 
well, and then what do you do with the jetpack? Well, now you have the jetpack. We have to kind of redesign the levels because mm-hmm. you can't do everything unless you. So you just took a game with a simple idea. You you and the creep aspect is all of a sudden slowly but surely the amount of things you have to do is increasing and what means the amount of work you're doing is increasing Mm -hmm. and so your game goes from being a simple idea that you could finish in x amount of time to oh my god how are we going to finish this and then guess what happens bugs show up new glitches are found testing has to be done and the whole process just keeps taking longer and longer it's part of the same thing with a very famous kickstarter that happened uh, not quite as long ago as this one, but it's getting there. Mm-hmm. And that one's called Star Citizen. So these numbers are are uh, are staggering. Okay, Star Citizen, which I backed for an amount of money I probably don't even want to share because <laughs> it's a lot. <clears throat> they had, uh, on Kickstarter, they had 34,000 backers for only $2 million. Okay. Only $2 million. But they've raised to date something like $60 million in crowdfunding. Oh, my God. Because what you can do right now is you can go to their website you can buy your ships for when the game comes out. You can buy your special types of ships so you can have a better oh. ship. And I think I paid, oh, I'm just going to say it. Just I think it was around 150 bucks Ugh. because I wanted a certain type of ship and a certain type of base so that when okay. the game comes out, right? So this this project was, it originally had a $500,000 goal, which the game they're trying to make never, never would have been made for $500,000 ever. Mm-hmm. Check this out. The estimated time of delivery, November 2014. That's when they originally estimated. Oh to my god! This was. Uh, let's see here. Did I pledge on this? No, I think I kicked. I, I backed it through like uh, uh, PayPal later. Like I didn't. I didn't do it when it was here. But it, it's now this game is they 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 had all this money, the sixty four million dollars. So they started. Op- they opened like three studios, and they're like, now this studio is working on a first person shooter. It wasn't originally going to be in the game because it's a spaceship game, but now you can get out of your spaceship and run around and shoot things in first person. Okay, I, I, that sounds cool. I'm mm-hmm. I'm down with that. And then they're like, okay, we're gonna now we're gonna have planets are procedurally generated like no man's sky so you're gonna go through and this you're gonna get on any planet you want you can land on the surface <laughs> no load times to be super cool and i'm like okay that's cool except i just kind of want the game i backed in the first place right you know? no and, no that makes sense and that's and that is a it's an issue with being able to prioritize effectively it's also an issue with thinking that every issue you run into is a is an urgent issue that needs to be fixed as soon as humanly possible when when you talk about it from a development perspective and you have scope creep usually what happens is the people that are involved with kind of outlining what you're actually asking for think of all the things they want to get done because they don't want to deal with those and while those requests are valid you know, you, you have to come into a project and say, okay, we're going to get A, B, and C done. Well, what about X, Y, and Z? Those are important. Yes, they're important. But what we're tasked to do right now is do A, B, and C. And A, B, and C has been broken from day one. And X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z has been broken from day one too. But it's not as important to get those done right now. We're still going to document them. We're still going to revisit them. We will still fix them, but they're not part of this project. It's a really difficult conversation to have. And a lot of companies, you know, that's a lot of the times why projects will fail is because 
the scope of the project keeps expanding and expanding and expanding until it's completely out of control and will never get done mm-hmm. in the a time that you have allotted to get that completed. So it's a real issue. It happens in every company that does project-based work. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what it would be like for something like video game development. Right. Now imagine that that company got money from a publisher mm-hmm. and then had deadlines set and had to meet those deadlines because a lot of a lot of the game industry they'll have contracts which I'm sure actually you're familiar with too. Mm-hmm. Like some you'll actually have contracts based on um deadlines. If you don't reach that deadline with a certain build of the game, you don't get as much funding like it's it's motivation right. basically. And I was also wrong. As of 2017, the game has raised 148 million dollars. Holy crap. From fans. So here's the issue I have. This game could all of a sudden tomorrow they could come out and be like, "You know what, guys, the project didn't work. Sorry." Mm-hmm. And that $148 million that they, they took from us Pew. fans is just gone. We don't get anything for that. And, well, and don't you get your money back? No, no, You don't God, get your no. money back? No, no, no. When I you, thought if... When you kickstart, you can sometimes ask for refunds, and sometimes they'll honor them, but if they don't have the money for it, they won't. I thought that if... Oh, is it if they don't meet their goal... You get your money back? Correct. They don't take your money until it meets the goals. So if okay. at the end of the 30 days, if they're $10,000 short, they never take your money to begin okay, with. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I thought if the project didn't succeed, you get your money back. Yeah, it, it, it kickstarted. It was successfully kickstarted in 2012. So that's five years ago. Oh, my God. Um, there's formal complaints filed in Los Angeles about it. Not that that's the story we're talking about because we're talking about Mighty Number no. 9. But it just kind of got me on that Kickstarter mm-hmm kick if you will uh-huh. um and it just seems like they because they have all this money they keep cranking up the scale of the game mm-hmm. and so yes if this game ever comes out it could be freaking amazing here's something else really interesting since it's taking roughly a decade for this game to come out <laughs> other games have done similar to what this game was gonna Aww. do and it's almost doing them just as well on mm-hmm. one one hundredth of the budget Jeez. so it's it's even when this game comes out it's not going to be no one's going to be happy with it i don't think it's just going to no, be a big bust but it, but the thing is is that the longer it takes you to build something the more hype it gets the more people try to emulate what you're doing yep. and then they end up doing it faster or doing it better and by the time you're caught up it's already out of date and you have to start working on something else well and and so it's like okay it's like trying to watch um you can tell which advertisers are slow on the uptake. Like um, sometimes something will go in and out of fashion so quickly. And then six months later, the thing that was like super funny and everybody was doing it. And then you see a commercial and it's a brand new commercial and it's something that isn't even popular anymore. And you're like, oh, like I can't think of any particular mm-hmm. example. Um but I think you know what I'm what I'm talking about because yeah. it's just like you took so long. You had to jump through so many hoops to get this commercial made. You casted it and you wrote it and you rewrote it and then you went back. And, and now by the time that commercial airs, it's already not popular yeah, it's anymore. it's like obsolete. Yeah. yeah, no one cares. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so here's here, the, the, the head of uh, what it's... um. Let's see. The name of the studio, it's like RSR Studios or something. It's, uh, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, I'm really ill. I'm ill-informed. I'm tired tonight and I'm, I'm, I'm slacking. Um, okay. 
So anyway, so his name is Chris Roberts. So Chris Roberts is the creator of a game on PC years and years ago called Wing Commander, uh, which was actually, it was so popular, it got turned into a movie for oh. a while. Uh, or, well, not for a while. It had Matthew Lillard in it. It was, it was, <laughs> it was just, a, it it was just not, a movie for a while. It was not good. The games, however, fun fact, uh, the later ones on PS1 and on PC had Mark Hamill was uh, was starred in those games. He did voice acting and, hmm. and uh and, he's uh, a great voice actor. Oh, he's excellent. Um, but he also did, I think, some on-screen stuff too. Um, so anyway, Chris Roberts—that's this guy. He did that, and he did uh, uh, Freelancer and Star Lancer and stuff like that. Which he, basically, what he does is he builds space flight games. It's okay. what he loves, so it's what he builds. So this is basically his magnum opus, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Let's see here." Um, <laughs> he says, "I'm already building the best game I can, who acknowledged the bumps, but imagine." The game I can build with 140 million is going to be very different to the one I could build with 10 million. If I can build a bigger and more robust experience, I will. Okay, hold the phone. The people who paid for this game, yeah, well, they truly, want we the wanted game. the 10 million dollar game. Yeah, that's why we gave you 10 million dollars. Oh Except gosh. I guess now I can't make that argument because now people have given 140 million dollars. Mm. So it's really frustrating to me because he clearly doesn't like he does get it. He wants to make a good game. I'm with him on that. But there comes a point where you got to be like, hey, release it and then maybe make some expansions later on. You're still taking money from us, dude. You're still taking money on your website to buy bigger and better ships. And then what they do, this is starting to get really frustrating for me. They release new ships. (laughs) So they've released new ships you can buy for more money before they've even released the dang game. See that? It's just one thing at a time. People have no attention span. No. Yeah. Just build. Just build the game. And then upgrade it, get downloadable content, yep. give the people who backed you on Kickstarter some perks maybe. Yep. Like, it's just, it boggles my mind where people are like, oh my God, we got we got 50% more than we, than we wanted. What can we do? It's like, you don't do anything. Yeah. You build the game you were asked to build. Put it in the bank and just finish the damn game. Yes, that's why people get, <laughs> that's that why easy. people back Kickstarter. They get it for the physical perks. And they get it for, like, if it's a game, they get the game or something yeah. like that. People don't, people are paying you for what you're telling them you're going to give them. If you tell them that you're going to sell them, you know, a, a Ford Pinto and, you know, you get enough money to buy a Cadillac. No, you, you told me that you were selling me a Ford Pinto. I don't want a Cadillac. Yeah. I just want the game that I put money towards yeah. because I believed in that. Well, it seems like he almost uses this money. It almost feels like a huge pyramid scheme. Like he uses the money from the new people coming in to make more stuff in the game that will bring more people into it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually this whole thing's just going to come crashing. And the original people who kickstarted were like, I just wanted to fly around space, man. With friends. That's all <laughs> I want to do. But here's what's really funny. So in this article I was reading about this, um, it says several prominent crowded <laughs> crowdfunded video games have failed to live up to expectations, such as Mighty Number no. 9. So it actually <laughs> wrapped around to our other article anyway. Nice. Eh, anyway, it's just, it's Kickstarter. I, I love the idea, but there needs to be some sort of protection for us. And that protection right now is just pick a company that you think can deliver. Now, there are times when I'll kick in $5 to a game and I don't care if it comes out or not. I just thought this guy's trying to live his dream. Mm-hmm. It's five bucks. His art's really good. He's got an th- idea. I'll invest in that guy. You know, not with any sort of return ever coming out. And then who knows, maybe after that five bucks, you'll be like, oh, hey, you get... You know, it's like a $5 Steam game, so you got it for free. Cool. And if not, eh, you know, we tried. But yeah. it was, just, you know, that I'm okay with. But, but like, and, and obviously I kickstarted these years ago. I kicked 2013, 2012. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to do that again. And I, and I feel like now I see a project and I just go, mm, 
maybe not. And I, I don't back them. And it really yeah. frustrates me because I'm sure there's good projects out there I'm missing now because these big guys are, are essentially ruining it for everybody. Well, right. And they really are. They're ruining it because they're just not thinking about setting out and actually doing the thing that they wanted to do in the first place. It's like, just build the game that you wanted to build. Don't try and use that money to make your game more legitimate. Your game is already legitimate. Yep. <sighs> I know. Speaking of something very legitimate we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting podcast because we didn't, there wasn't a lot of stuff to talk about. There was a few little news stories here and there. But then the other day I was at the store and uh, a regular good guy, um, he comes and we have chats often about things. And he came in and he was like, he was uh, adamant about wanting to talk about net neutrality. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I, I, I understand it well. I'm well versed in, in, in everything that's going on. So let's hear it. And, uh, and as I'll get to as I talk more about this, he was, I feel like he just was a little uninformed or misinformed. And I thought this might be a really good time because this absolutely pertains to video games and gaming. Absolutely. With most games going online now, the way we interact with people, the way we talk to people when we play online, it's very important to us, uh, this idea of, I guess, we need to start with the name in itself. Net neutrality, okay? Bum, bum, bum. It's a buzzword, okay? It's, it's, a, it's a phrase used to typically describe what the current fight about the internet is on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. So, um, first I'm going to say, this is not going to get political. Because I don't want to talk political. Nah. But what I do want to talk about is facts. And facts that pertain to me as a person, me as a voter, me as a gamer, and me as a video game store owner, I guess. So to give as good of a breakdown as I can, uh, net neutrality, when people talk about net neutrality, um, in 2015, uh, then-President Obama put into place some executive orders that basically said that an ISP, so your internet service provider, think... Charter, Time Warner, AT&T, whoever you get your internet from. Those companies were not allowed to charge you based on the things and the services you wanted to use. So they didn't. They, they were not allowed to say, oh, if you want to use Netflix on your internet, you have to pay mm-hmm. us an extra $5 a month. Oh, you want to use Flickr? Well, that's an extra 5 bucks. Yeah. You want to you... use Hulu? It's an extra 10 bucks. Right. Um, or they could say something to the effect of, oh, you want to be a, a video game streamer and a YouTube uploader? Well, you need a lot of up and down internet for that. Mm-hmm. So you can get our special streamer package. It's an extra $20 a month. And you need to get that. Otherwise, you're, after so much data is used, we're going to throttle your speed super low. And if you guys don't know what that term even is, I don't even mind going back to that. Let's let's step back again. So this actually was happening with cell phones for a while. And actually, I think it still does in some yes. regards because it's not considered the internet. It's considered cellular. And uh, what you can do is say you're on your phone and you're browsing and you have unlimited data so you can use as much internet data as you want mm-hmm. right that's what unlimited means <laughs> right well the- theoretically yes. yes so you can you absolutely can however after using x amount of megs of internet online or uh, it's probably you know 20 gigs or whatever it ends up being uploading and downloading whatever transfer of data a certain amount of file size after that's transferred they do what we call bottlenecking which means now your maximum speed is super super slow because what they've done is because you're using so much data they they don't allow you to use as much data mm-hmm. that's basically their way of slowing you down yeah which is exactly what a lot of internet service providers would like to do 
with the internet. They would like to say, oh man, you know, and there and there are actually some in the past that were doing things like data caps. So you actually had a limited amount of data you could use on the internet. And this this isn't like a cell phone. It's a little bit different when it's cellular data. And so I guess probably it's probably not honestly, mm. but this this is like you're hardwired. You're paying eighty to hundred bucks a month for your high speed internet, and this is what we're getting. So that's what throttling means. So the idea was that companies, and that that's kind of another related thing to this. But the idea was companies could not charge you more for different services you use. They would talk about a free and open internet. Mm-hmm. That was the vision of this. So the reason I brought it up, though, is because Mike and I were talking. And I understand what he's trying to do. And, and I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not. But if he does, Mike, don't worry. I'm not ripping on you. I swear. <laughs> um, but what he said was he, he was trying to be a good guy. And he was trying to say, you know what? I, I understand both arguments. Uh, I understand both sides. And he said, I just, I don't like it when corporations have too much power. But I also don't like it when the government has too much power either. Over the internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was there and I said, well. And I thought about it for a minute. And I, I, I said to myself, well. But that's not what's happening here. And no. I felt like he was a little misinformed. And again, not ripping on him. Um, he's a good guy and he has really good opinions. He's a smart guy. So, but but he was misinformed on this topic. And so the thing he was misinformed on was he felt like it was a fight. Like right now, the government wanted net neutrality so they could control the internet. So think of this as a scale of 1 to 10. The internet... How, how do I try to put this? In? Okay. So one on the scale, one to 10, one is the corporations control everything. 10 is the government controls everything. Mm-hmm. Right now, the internet is at five. Okay. After 2015, we got put right dab in the middle. The government's got some regulations on it, mm-hmm. but the companies still have enough freedom to provide a service that they make money on mm-hmm. and everyone's happy. Well, no one's ever happy, but you know, I know everyone's you everyone's successful. The in great this. majority of people are okay. It truly is. So when we talk about the fight for net neutrality, listening to what Mike said in that argument, he said he didn't want the government having too much control. So that would mean that if we rolled like like if we don't do anything, the internet's going to be able to spy on us, and that was a concern of his, like the internet spying on us, or well, the, the government spying us over the internet, all these things. But that's not what's on the table when we talk about net neutrality. If they roll back these uh, orders from 2015, that means that the we're going to go from that 1 to 10 scale where we're currently a 5. We're going to slide all the way over to mm-hmm. 2 or 3 or to 1. Yep. And, and, and that's just what's going to happen because unfortunately, by definition, corporations are profit-generating machines. So they'll do everything within the legal law to make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. And that's right. okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I obviously, as a business owner, you don't demonize capitalism. No. And you don't And you don't demonize... Uh, companies making money and then creating jobs and then having people have more money spending than the companies make more money then they pay their employees more in a perfect world. That's how it would work. So if they roll back these executive orders, we're going to be all the way back to this time where corporations are now dictating what, what we're allowed to have for internet and what we're allowed, to, what speeds we're allowed to have it at and what costs we're allowed to have it at. Now, normally you would say, okay, well, this is America and it's a free capitalistic society. So if you don't like that company and they do that to you, just go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right? You just go to another company. You don't like McDonald's the way they make their hamburger? Then you go to Burger King. 
then if Burger King makes you mad, you can go to Arby's. If you don't like Arby's, then you go to the Five Guys, which is way better than all those. So you should go to Five <laughs> Guys anyway. <laughs> I know you're listening, CEO of Five Guys. I will expect my gift card in the mail. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, though, when it comes to internet service providers or ISPs, there are monopolies everywhere mm-hmm. in the country. Legal monopolies, sadly. Um, there are often places... You only have one place you can get internet from. I know. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And 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 honestly, when people talk about an all-digital future and downloading and streaming games all the time, if you just look at the United States, which is probably the biggest consumer of video games in the world as a country, we don't have the infrastructure for that. Our internet sucks so bad here compared to other countries and like the speeds we get. And, and not, it's obviously not necessarily here. We actually do okay. We're in a big enough city where well, we get good. I mean, you got to think about the, the just the sheer size of the United States. That's too. truly the problem. And that's really it is you can't run. You can't make the whole country Wi-Fi like Japan because, well, that's, it's an island. <laughs> it's well, it's an s- island and it's much, much smaller. <laughs> much smaller, you know. And, much, much smaller. And, and so you can't, you can't, you know, make the whole country run on high-speed fiber internet when our country is the size of many countries together. Mm -hmm. So we understand that. But what happened a long time ago was when they were getting ready to lay fiber lines to make high-speed internet, um, a lot of companies signed on. Verizon was a a real bad one that came to this. And Verizon said, okay, give us a bunch of money. We're going to lay a bunch of fiber lines. And they did. And they ran as much fiber as they said they could with the money they got. They never finished the project. They said, we're done. Well, we Mm -hmm. don't have any money. And the government's like, well, we're not giving any more money. Mm -hmm. So there they sit. But unfortunately, along with that money came contracts that gave them exclusive access to customers in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, just due to the way our political system is set up, when you have companies that want to keep things they have, they lobby for it. And there's no one changing a lot of these monopolies. And there's even there's even companies trying to, you know, break into these areas and install fiber, uh, fiber optic lines, which if you don't know, like think Google Fiber, but fiber optic is the fastest new Internet. Like this is the fastest Internet we can get. Fiber speeds can go upwards of. I think one one gigabyte up, one Holy gigabyte down. Man. It's crazy. Like it's crazy fast. And so so Google's been doing it in major cities. They did Kansas City most recently. And they do other cities. They they unfortunately they randomly pick a city and then they branch out from there. I really <laughs> wish that they had picked uh De Pere. <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, unfortunately. So the idea of these monopolies were kind of built into contracts. And so now you've got other companies can't get government contracts and they can't even come into an area because there's like these contracts from, from years ago that say that there's not allowed to have competition in that area. I just like, in my opinion, I think if you, if you want fat, like I agree that it makes sense for companies to say, if you want a bigger piece of the speed train, you should pay for it. Like, if you want one gigabyte up, one gigabyte down, you need to pay for that because that requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of money and so on and so forth. But if you don't care about that kind of speed, then you pay for whatever basic internet package you 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 want. But I don't think it makes sense to do things like throttling, blocking, censorship right extra fees to access specific sites i think if you're willing to pay a different bracket of cost to get faster speeds that's a different conversation than what they're talking about in terms of net neutrality which is 
almost like siloing or limiting access to certain areas of the internet without paying for them. You know what I mean? Like, I obviously, I mean, if I had my way, everybody, there would be Wi-Fi for everybody and it would be free because I think the internet should be free for everybody. Right. I actually agree that it's essentially a utility in my mind now. You know, like, yeah. I just think it's... It's I like water. It it's like sewage. It's like well, think all about, of that. Um, think about, and th- this is, you know, we're older. <laughs> so think about this, though. When, when you had, uh, when I was growing up, we had a telephone. Mm-hmm. We didn't have... We had one telephone company. There's the telephone company. Yep. There wasn't 10 different telephone companies to give you better deals to change and do stuff. There was, you know, so so because telephone was considered like a utility, mm-hmm. um, just like the water, it's like, or WPS, the... your power bill, that that's, that's a utility. So WPS is a monopoly essentially, but they're also run, they're regulated by the government saying you can't rip people off for electricity. Mm-hmm. You can't rip people off for water in your local municipality. Well, that's a good. I didn't. I didn't even think about it being treated like a utility. I was still thinking kind of the old way. But what you say, what you said, makes a lot more sense to make it a utility, which creeps into that seven, eight, nine, ten range. Very true. Because and and that's not good either. And I'm very clear about that. Like. There's there's not a part of me that wants a ton of government regulation on this stuff. But unfortunately, it's it's the way of the world when we have a very capitalistic nature is that companies will do everything they can legally do to make money. You know, and it's it's like th- this is the best way I can describe it. And I know this sounds like overreaching. and I know I probably sound like a liberal progressive like hippie, but like just hear me out on this one. So imagine before the EPA and before local regulations, a company could say, well, we got all this sewage and stuff. It's going to cost us a million dollars to drive this sewage to a facility across town to dispose of it in a good natural way that won't harm anybody. Or or we can dump it in the river and it doesn't cost us anything. Well, that's what ha- I mean. That's unfortunately that's, what has happened. That's what they did. And I'm sorry. And, and that's not this is going to sound terrible. Anyone who knows me will probably think I'm being crazy right now. That was not a bad thing. They didn't do anything wrong. Excuse me. They didn't do anything wrong back then if there was no law against it. Because in their mind, everything that was legal to make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then the government steps in and says, okay, listen. The people that live down the river from you, they're getting sick. Mm -hmm. You can't do it anymore. No more dumping chemicals in the water. Uh, Okay. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable. You know? I mean, and, and and that's how this happens. So, unfortunately, in a perfect world, all corporations would do the responsible thing. Mm-hmm. The best thing for their business, the best thing for their customers, the best thing for their employees, find the balance of that and we'll all be successful together. So if you think or you believe or you think the best the best course of action would be to utilitize, I don't know if that's a real verb, but to make internet access a utility like water, like sewage, mm-hmm. like electricity, would it be one base price at one speed of internet or would you have the tiers because regardless it's it it seems like if you want faster internet it feels like you should have to pay more for faster internet if and and this is an extreme because i don't even know if if you can do that feasibly i've never looked at the numbers to see if you could make it a utility and regulate it like a utility but say you do my answer to that would be Everyone gets the same speed, and it's the same fastest speed possible. Okay. That's it. You know, that's And it. I'm okay with that if everybody is going to get the yeah. same speed, and there's no way to 
like prioritize, you know what I mean? Like there's right. no way. I think if you, if you maintain what I said before with that whole capitalistic viewpoint and have like the tiers, it's no different than what we've been talking about with purchasing different packages where you right. can, this one you can access Facebook. It's having tiers of service or connectivity is different from what they're talking about in terms of packages because buying tiers doesn't prevent you from accessing specific websites i think that that's a ridiculous idea that i can't access reddit or facebook or you know netflix because i didn't buy that package it's it's almost like cable in that sort of instance Yeah, and I think I think the perfect scenario isn't treating it like utility, unfortunately, because then, like you said, we get the government being the seven, eight, nine, ten range, mm-hmm. where now the government has control over it. Now imagine this, and and this is a scenario that I think is quite likely. So imagine that all internet's a utility, and this this pertains to both sides. If you're a Democrat or you're Republican, it, it really it doesn't matter because there's going to be a time when the people you don't want in office are going to be in office. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say for instance, you've got a bunch of atheist. Democrats in the office and they decide that you know what church and state needs to be separated state runs these internet you can't search you can't search church you can't have you can't go to church websites on state sponsored internet yeah but I mean that that's 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 an extreme case you it, know? okay okay now or say they say I'm like eh, no that that's that's a ridiculous argument to make but that is what can be possible mm-hmm. the government is okay so now you've got and and so now you've got a bunch of Bible thumping, something something. Let's let's say let's say you've got a bunch of of very religious, um, right leaning people running the White House. Okay, so now they decide. Well, we don't want people to have. You know, we don't believe in birth control. Mm-hmm. So we're going to not allow you to search for places to buy that on government sponsored internet because we don't think government should pay for your birth control. Mm-hmm. because it's a sin and, and all these other things whatever their reasons are and again i'm not demonizing either way i'm just trying to get people to see it from both sides so it doesn't matter who you are what you believe but if you there's always going to be when your team or your side is not the one doing things so these are rules that we need to set in place for everybody mm-hmm. and it's and it's oh sure it's great when it's quote-unquote your guy is 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 on top of the chain but these are the sort of things that can change over time and so Personally, that's why I don't like the idea of it being a utility because I feel like that, and that's that's very, very far-fetched, okay? I'm the first to admit it, but it's possible. I like the idea of a semi-regulated uh, capitalistic environment. So that means no monopolies. Any monopolies that show up, they have to get broken up. You have to have so many service providers in so many areas. If you don't, you have to break yourself up into different providers and compete with each other, yada, yada, yada. That's what I think would be the best opportunity. But getting back to this whole thing and circling back around, there was just so much misinformation about this term. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a political argument and people read something about it and people hate it. And and, and like people people, um, hear the term net neutrality. Some people hear that and they go, oh, I I want the government out of my internet. I don't want Mm -hmm. them controlling my internet and spying on me. That's not what they're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) And, And it's very important that we say that because it isn't. And just like the same thing though, if you said, well, I don't want corporations being able to tell me what I can see on the internet. Well, that's not really what they're doing either. Like what it really comes down to is money. And and to be fair, I'm going to give the cable companies, I'm, I'm going to give the internet service providers here a little bit. I'm going to give them a little bit. And what I, what I mean by that is 
everything is becoming online now. Well, it is. And I think I think this article that, that I'm looking at right now kind of puts it into perspective of how you said the kind of misinformation is that the FCC wants to destroy net neutrality. Okay, well, what does that mean? It means that they want to give the big cable companies control over what we see and what we do online. Okay, well, what does that mean? And if they get their way, they'll allow widespread throttling, blocking, censorship, extra fees. All for usage of the internet. And I don't know. I, I have a problem with it. I think that if the government runs the internet, I mean, I think that they can see what we do online anyway. <laughs> right now. And I don't think it really matters. And I don't have anything to hide. So It's a tough argument to make, though. I, I'm with you. I, I know how you feel like it doesn't affect you, but I that that's I I I always that that's always a tough argument to make because if they still shouldn't always be looking for something. No, I mean I don't think you know? I think but I'm that with there's you. I'm there's with definitely I mean the majority of people I don't think have any there thing they would get in trouble for. There are people in the government whose job it is is to listen to white noise and things in the background and always kind of monitoring to see if people are falling into certain patterns of behavior or following certain trends that makes them think that they might be a threat and then they might start surveillance on them. I think that that's part of their job of, you know, being a person of the government in in that sort of capacity like the fbi or the cia you know it's central Mm -hmm. intelligence agency so like their job is to try and find terrorist threats people who are threatening you know the united states and and so on and so forth i don't think they're going to bother with the average american consumer because the average American consumer doesn't have anything to really interest them or to hide. Like, yeah, okay, maybe there are some things that I look up that I'd be like, oh, if anybody was looking at my computer, they they saw that I was <laughs> looking up, you know, how long does it take somebody to die if they were hung? Because we were watching, you know, The Handmaid's Tale and there's a scene where somebody gets hung um. and I just wanted to know. And I'm like, well, how long is that going to take? Because that seemed like it didn't take very long. And then, you know, so, but that doesn't mean I'm going to put a noose around somebody and kill them. But right. I mean, it would have to go, like, I can't just look at one article. And then you find out, you know, you listen to some of these people who are convicted or allegedly um, supported they allegedly committed certain crimes and then they look at their internet browser history and they they found that they search for how to make uh like chloroform and all this kind of stuff and you know how to get rid of a body it's like okay well you should probably pay attention to those people (laughs) because something's going on but i i just i think most people are just a little too paranoid and their lives are a little more boring than they think. <laughs> well, it, it, it always comes down to, though, it's it, it's oddly comes down to the same thing at my store when you have something like there was always a battle between LP, which is loss prevention mm-hmm. and marketing, which is putting your product on the shelf. Yeah. The more product you have on the shelf, the better chance you have to sell it. The more marketing there is on the shelf or the more you have on the shelf, the more chance you have to have it stolen. As it pertains to this, how secure do you want to be? Like if you want to be so safe quote-unquote safe and secure you have to have people monitoring you at all times Mm -hmm. that's how we're safe 
but where do we find that balance of not being monitored all the time but still being safe? It's not it. You know what I mean? There, well, there is a balance there that which I think we kind of float in right now. But if if we want to be truly safe, we need the the government to take care of us, quote unquote. And well, I, don't, I don't want that. And I'm not saying that's good. In fact, I don't want that. But I'm just saying that's like that's the trade off. It's like, do you want maximum security, minimum freedom? Or do you want maximum freedom, minimum security? Like they're, not, they're unfortunately polar opposites. I'm not I'm not suggesting that the government do or not do certain things. Like I'm not trying to get to that point. My 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 actual point is that the government can already do some of the things that people are afraid the government will do if net neutrality goes to more the government side and is controlled and regulated by the government. I just think that we're at, what I'm saying is that more they can already do some of the stuff that people are worried about the government right. doing. So to me, it's just like that isn't a valid argument because the government can already find out what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just to me, that's I'm like, OK, but well, they can do that. All right. So nothing really is going to change unless some part of the government regulating it Which is they, that you have not to, supposed to be able to do that. Though that's part of the problem. That's a whole other fight. But they're not supposed to be even spying on their own citizens mm. essentially but well i mean anyway but it's unless some sort of part of the government regulation is you have to sign some sort of contract with them or because like when you go when you go and like change your like you get your water bill don't you have to like sign something that i live at this place and i'm getting water and i'm paying gonna pay my bill on time or did you just go there and just change it be like i live here now i think when i bought my house they just changed it over to my name i think the realtors took care of that yeah i don't know because that it's it would be interesting to see do you have to actually sign something or is it in your mortgage at some point or is it you know how Mm -hmm. How do you enter into this kind of contract with the government for your water utility? I mean, it feels like there should be something in writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Eh, I mean, they know where you live, so. <laughs> but but uh, like oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I but that's more what I was trying to say. Not that, not you know, being pro or con one way or another, but just that the go- people are afraid the government's watching them or will be able to watch them with this whole net neutrality kind of piece. But I'm they, I'm thinking they're already they doing already. some of it. Oh, absolutely. And I and that's what I totally agree with. People think like right now they don't. And that if like, quote unquote net neutrality passes, then then they will. That's that's a, a ridiculous argument because that is not happening. So, so that's, that's more what, what I okay, that was more okay, what I was I'm with saying. you 100 percent on that. Um, and then, like I promised, I was going to wrap this all into how it affects gamers because I really wanted to kind of lay that foundation. I know that was like a massive foundation. This building is never going to crumble with a foundation like that. <laughs> but uh so what I want to get to was the one thing that I will give the ISPs, I'll give them a little bit of credit, is eventually everything's going to be on the internet. I do believe that one day in the next 10 to 15 years, all TV will be internet. There mm-hmm. won't be like separate cable and direct TV. You'll watch streaming packages on your phone, on your streaming box. You watch that over the internet instead of having like a separate person come out and do cable TV and then a separate person do satellite internet or vice versa. But here, here, so here's what I'm giving them credit for, though. Netflix uses up a ridiculous amount of bandwidth. Ridiculous oh. amount of bandwidth. If you don't know what bandwidth is, bandwidth is essentially the speed. Let's think of it like a highway. Okay. So you've got a four-lane highway. We're going through Chicago. It's awful. Four- or five-lane <laughs> highway. Netflix is taking up three to four lanes of bandwidth. Oh, really? Three to four lanes of traffic. And the other two lanes is kind of like everybody else is squeaking through. 
Now, I don't know the exact numbers. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately, but Netflix uses a ton of bandwidth. So there comes a point where the ISPs are like, look, you guys use so much more bandwidth than we used to. We have to charge you more for that because it costs them more money to get more servers, to get better equipment, to get more bandwidth so that people can use it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about all I'll give them because here's what's going to end up happening. This is how it affects us. They're going to double dip. So they're going to go to Netflix and they're going to say, look, we won't throttle Netflix for your customers if you pay us X amount of money per year. Ah. So Netflix goes, well, if if we don't do this and if Netflix gets throttled automatically, then we're going to lose customers because yeah. our videos won't stream properly. Okay, well, it's almost like being held hostage. So here you go. Take your blackmail money and here you go. Mm-hmm. So and then they're gonna, Comcast is going to come to us or Charter is going to come to us and say, okay, look, we can guarantee you that Netflix won't <laughs> slow you down if you pay us an extra 5 or $10 a month on your internet package. Okay, well, I'll pay that. I want to make sure my Netflix still works because it's pretty much all I watch for TV now. <laughs> More people are cutting the cord than ever. So then they double dip. They get extra money from Netflix. They get extra money from us as customers. Well, couldn't Netflix also charge their customers more? That's And that's the real thing that affects to cover us. To cover the cost of paying. Com- yes. Or what did you say? Charter? Who uh, did well, say? it doesn't matter. We're Spectrum now, so whatever. Oh. Spectrum is because Charter and Time Warner merged. Oh, did they? They did. Which actually has been beneficial for us because Spectrum started just cranking up everybody's internet speeds at no extra cost. So, uh, okay, I have no complaints <laughs> about right. them as of right now. But well, we our comp- internet still doesn't work sometimes. Well, it cuts out a lot. But we, we have we have competition here. You can get DSL. You can get AT&T Uverse. You can mm-hmm. get other things here. There's, there's other options, um, which is why there's actually some competition here. But you're right. That's the end game. And so Netflix goes, well, as a company, we're not just going to absorb this 20 million dollar a year hit (laughs) we'll charge every one of our subscribers two extra bucks a month we're fine we're fine no big deal Mm -hmm. and then we go well we were paying 9.99 a month but i guess i'll pay 11.99 a month to make sure that my netflix still works and then we're just paying extra money and then all of a sudden you're like okay well that's just netflix no big deal and then you go well wait a minute with the way people are downloading digital games now sony with the playstation network is using tons of bandwidth because Mm -hmm. you're uploading and or you're not really uploading much unless you're playing and streaming, but you're downloading 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 gig games now. Yeah. So then time order goes to them. Says, hey, yeah. guys, you're using a lot of bandwidth. We'll guarantee you we won't bottleneck it if you give us $20 million a year, whatever the numbers are. <laughs> so that's how it affects us as gamers. Now, also, um, part of what this was, so uh, this, this was the main part of it. So if they roll back uh, what they're talking about, it's it's going to... In 2015, um, President Obama said that he classified internet service providers under the telecommunications under Title II of the Communications Act, and that prevents ISPs from throttling speeds, enforcing paid fast lanes, which is what we were just talking about, and blocking sites slash apps, along with allowing... So this basically says that if I have Time Warner, and Time Warner says, you know what, we're going to block all of our competitors' websites that are owned by our competitors... They can't do that. Mm-hmm. So they want to roll that stuff back. And then you you, you could have a company do that. Uh, so that's what specifically would affect us as gamers. Now, if we talk about if they, if they throttle speeds, imagine you're playing an online game and I'm throttled down to whatever my internet speed is and the guy I'm playing against isn't. Well, he's got better latency. He won't have lag when it comes to yeah. bullets. He's going to shoot. He's always going to run faster than me. He's going to jump higher than me. He'll be quicker than me mm-hmm. because I'm seeing things later than he is, even yep. if by a split second. 
and especially with the online gaming scene getting so big with stuff like Overwatch and Counter-Strike and all these great games. So that's the big part of it. And then, of Rocket course... Rocket League. Rocket League. <laughs> as you watch me play a lot of Rocket League. And you know, it's probably... See, that's maybe why I lose. Because oh, I'm about to yeah. hit the ball and then Time Warner throttles my internet. <laughs> and then I get screwed. I knew it wasn't because I was bad. <laughs> Thanks, babe. You're the best. <sighs> But yes, so those are the sort of things. And then imagine a data cap. So a data cap is like I was kind of talking about earlier, where once you hit so much data, Mm -hmm. then they either throttle you or they cut you off and you can't use data anymore. So imagine you're downloading games on PSN because for some reason you like to buy all your games digital (laughs) and you do that. And now you can't download any more games for another week because you're out of bandwidth. You're out out of data. Yeah, that would suck. I mean, and, and, and again... So that means you can't download. Okay, so if you're downloading so many games, someone might argue if you're downloading that many games, we'll just stop and save your money or something. <laughs> but then, okay, so you buy less games. Well, Sony makes less money. Microsoft makes less money. Maybe they don't make another system. Or maybe all the games start coming out at $65 instead of 60 because they got to yeah. make that extra money back somehow. Mm-hmm. And so this is like a slippery slope, as we call it. And it's one of those things where more than anything, I want to clear the air, okay? it's not. This is not a fight against government spying on you versus corporations taking all your money. <laughs> this, right now, what we're fighting about is to leave in place the way the internet has been for the last two years, which just basically means websites and ISP or ISPs cannot control the content we get and they cannot control the speeds we get it at. That's it. Mm-hmm. So honestly, anybody who's a gamer, you need to support with this. This is not one of those pick a team fights. Okay. And again, not getting all political, but it really frustrates me when people just pick a team, go red, go blue, and then just pick what, you, you know, just pick that they're right about everything. That makes no sense. This is a fight that no one is right about. If you support removing these regulations it just i'm I'm, it will hurt you in the long run and there's no benefit as a consumer for us there is zero benefit to moving that needle over to the one and having it be completely the wild wild west again when it comes to internet service there is no benefit as a consumer for us it's good the way it is it could get better it could get a lot worse it could get a lot worse and that's something that we have to keep in mind and we have to fight this and say, don't go back on this thing that we signed off on or that we agreed to in 2015. And it's okay if the guy you didn't vote for put it in there. Everything the guy you didn't vote for isn't bad. And everything that the guy you did vote for is doing isn't good. It's it's okay to break from that. Think about things that affect you and vote along those lines and like support along those lines. And that's that's all we're asking for here. This This is net neutrality, the fight for net neutrality is a fight for better things for us as consumers. And that's it. Agreed. <laughs> well said. So, uh, following with tradition, my game of the week this week, uh, I'm going to recommend, this is a really fun game uh, for the regular Nintendo. I'm sticking with the Nintendo theme for now. <laughs> uh, the regular Nintendo, it's a game called Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Oh, jeez. Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Oh, my God. It's an isometric view, so think uh, Diablo or Baldur's Gate. Old school, top down. And you control, it's a platformer made by Rare. So Rare has made many excellent games in the past, not so much anymore. But uh, they, it was a, you can do two player, single player, it's an isometric view. So think kind of like Cubert. Uh, think Cubert. Oh, sure. So there's a lot of platforming like Cubert. Hop, hop, hop. Except you're actually going through levels and you, you eat, as you eat orbs, your tail grows. And so you're actually like, you're a snake. So you're like a snake with like little balls as, you, as the parts of his body. Mm-hmm. And as you get hit, you lose those. 
Oh, sure. And so it's like it's your life bar essentially, and it's a platform. You just go through different levels, and it's really really fun. One or two player snake rattle and roll, not shake, but snake. Bless you, babe. <laughs> Bless oh, you. Gee, thanks. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, so go play it for Rego Nintendo. It's another great two player game. Snake rattle and roll. <laughs> they even have like an eight bit version of that song in there too. <laughs> How about you, Jen? Do you have a do you have a game recommendation for anyone this week? Uncharted. Ooh, okay. Just the first one <laughs> just, or all of them? All well, technically all of them, but I would recommend playing through the trilogy or the what do they call it when it's four and not three? It's done quintology. Quad quad quadrilogy. Quadrilogy, quadrilogy sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uncharted plus one. PlayStation three um, was its original, but when they came out with the terminating terminus, the last game. Uncharted 4, they actually put all of those onto the PlayStation 4. Yeah, the Uncharted games are all great. And it's, They're it's, all great. And it's one of those series where the first one's pretty good, and the second one is bananas. And then yes. the third one is just even... It's just as good as the second one, Like which mm-hmm. the second one was out of the stratosphere. So for the third one to even relate. And then somehow, the fourth one, which... It, that, always, that game always felt like a trilogy to me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they wrapped it up at the end of the third one. And they're like, hey, we're doing a fourth one. <laughs> and somehow that one is the best out of all of them. It's very good. But start with the first Uncharted, uh, which is a called... Drake's Fortune? Yes, Drake's Fortune. And then it's Uncharted 2... Th- Among Thieves. Among Thieves. And then Uncharted 3, Drake's Fortune? Deception. Deception. And Damn. then Uncharted 4, A Uncharted Thief's Uncharted 4, End. A Thief's End, yep. Mm-hmm. What a fit. Th- that game, oh man, the fourth one was It was, was very great. good. But uh, Uncharted, uh, what's great about that is it's got a little bit of Indiana Jones. It's got a little bit of history and kind of legend and lore. Uh, it's made by Naughty Dog. Who seemed to just crap gold. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> everything they, they touch is everything. just amazing. It's so good. But uh, essentially, you, you play the, the hero, the eponymous hero, Nate Drake. And there's Nick also, hey, shut up. I <laughs> called them the right name this time, uh, but uh, it's, it's very good. Cause I'm, I'm big into kind of like history and treasure and yeah. piratey kind of things. And there's a lot of that. So it's a little bit, like I said, Indiana Jones, the storylines are great. The characters are great. The voice acting is very mm-hmm. good. The gameplay in the first one is okay, um, but it does get better. As Everyone. the storyline yeah. um, goes along, so it's a little clunky the first, the first Uncharted game, and then Uncharted Two they make a little they make small adjustments to the gameplay and the fighting sequences and stuff and such, but it gets a little bit better. And it's not unplayable the first one. It's just there are some things that should have been different, and they've made those corrections in the in the subsequent games. But I usually play those types of games on the more easy settings because I'm not in it to shoot a bunch of people. There's a lot of shooting people, but um, I'm in it for the storyline. So for me, I usually play it on a very easy setting. Yeah, I I actually, (laughs) it's funny because I play Dark Souls. I have no problem with difficulty. I love difficult, challenging games. Uncharted, I always put on easy because I could not care less about the combat in that game. I actually don't think it's very good. I th- well, I shouldn't say it. I, th- I think the combat is fun on easy, mm-hmm. but I think after that, it gets kind of irritating and frustrating because it's not even difficult. It's just 
You, yeah, you headshot you headshot a guy and then he stumbles back and then gets back up. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like that's not how any of this works. But the story plus the platforming and the exploration yes. elements that makes the whole game like it's. I mean, they could have got by without having any action sequences in that game. I think. Well, and it's funny though because and Naughty Dog is very good about this. Is is Naughty Dog's really good about leading you through an area. Mm-hmm. It just it always feels like you're going the right way. I don't know how they do it. I don't know if it's an algorithm or what, but when you're driving around, I mean, there was only one time in the game in in that whole four four part series where I could not figure out where I needed to go and yep. it was just that was the one part. I will say though that the ending of Uncharted Spoiler alert? No. It, it's it's unnecessarily difficult Mm. and i i would say that out of all the game all the all four of the games the ending sequence of that first game is the most obnoxious Mm -hmm. and it was very very frustrating and very very annoying and very very like this is not fun i'm not having fun with this ending fight sequence and i'm just not having fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's, but, a, that's a good way of saying it yep but uh, other than that though i mean it's just it it's a very well made series of games but i would recommend playing with the first one because otherwise you don't you miss a lot of the character development and it is nice to see the storyline play out yep. from start to finish so that's why i would say start with one i mean you could play a thief's end but then you wouldn't get no the characters all have to evolve and it you have to play the other ones at mm-hmm. least two and three but even one, you I have would to, still play I, I one because you meet every character for the first time and you get to grow with them. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more mainstream in my gaming. Uh, well, you're currently playing Persona Five still. I so am. I'm crushing that. Like 55 hours in. Jeez, that's a lot. I'm not even close to done. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That's that's great, though, especially mm-hmm. if you're enjoying it. Oh yes, very much so. Um, so that's it. That's the podcast for today. We always appreciate everybody listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade Greg with two G's at the end. I am at Game Talk Jen with one N at the end. And if you are listening to this not on YouTube, we'd love for you to subscribe to us on YouTube. If it just take a second, we're we're trying to get uh, to a certain uh, number of subscribers so that we can get our own custom URL. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So we're getting close actually, but. Um, yeah, so uh, that's at just search Game Talk Radio on YouTube. You can find us there. And then I do a, another side website project, a YouTube channel project with some friends, and that's called The Drop Rate. So if you guys are able to, we'd love for you to subscribe to that. Check that out. Follow us on Twitter. Ask us questions. We'd love to get fan interaction and friend interaction before, uh, before every show. So I appreciate it, everybody. And uh, as always, thank you for listening, and have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye.